0: Hello everybody the international break is over Premier League football returns and Norwich City head to the capital to play bottom of the league, Arsenal. Sorry, Charles, I had to throw oh. that in straight away, I'm afraid. That'll be the last time we referenced that. Uh, delighted to be joined by Arsenal correspondent for goal, uh, Charles Watts, and also Canaries Trust board member and Norwich City fan, Sarah Greaves, to preview this clash at the Emirates tomorrow. Um, Charles, given that um, that slightly tongue-in-cheek intro over Arsenal, I, I guess it probably leads me to the first question, which I guess a lot of people are asking at the moment, which is, simply what's going on with Arsenal at the moment there might not be enough time for you to fully explain but um, just talk to us a little bit about the start of the season and maybe why it's not gone in the way that Arsenal would like it to go and that's me being diplomatic perhaps.
1: Yeah it certainly is it's absolutely not gone to plan um, I mean what's gone wrong for Arsenal like you said I could I could sit here talking about it for, for hours on end but it's been I mean it's been a mixture they had there has been a lot of things that have gone against them so far this season, they've had real issues with COVID, real issues of injuries, but that can't excuse some of the performances. I think when you looked at the fixture list at the start of the season, you had Chelsea second game, Manchester City third game. Everyone was expecting to go into this sort of international break, probably on maybe with one point, hopefully with three. But that Brentford game on the start of the season was a real blow for them. Again, they had issues. It was only a few hours before kickoff they thought the game might be postponed because they had so many COVID issues. Um that happened right in the build-up to that match. So it wasn't ideal preparation. And to be honest, it looked like a tricky game from the off. Friday night, Brentford's first game back in the Premier League at home in the new stadium. It was always going to be a tough one for Arsenal. And that's the type of game you'd ask any Arsenal fan beforehand, do you think you're going to win that? Most of them would 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 not have said yes with any confidence. So it was, it's been a tricky start to the season, but that can't excuse some of the performances. I think especially the one at Manchester City, even though they went down to 10 men, It was just wave the white flag material. And that was a real, real, it it was a bad sight for everyone to see. And now sitting there, no bottom of the table, no wins from three, not even a goal scored. And it's the performances more than results that have really worried people so far. You know, they've just not created anything. They've not looked like they're going to score a goal defensively. They've gone back to what they were prior to last season when they're actually pretty solid. And Arteta's got to find a solution and it has to start now. You know, this is the start of their season, basically. Um, This little patch of games, Arsenal got coming up, Norwich, Burnley, Spurs um, and Brighton before the next international break. And if if they go into that break still in and around the bottom three, I think Mikel's going to be under serious pressure if he's even there at all.
0: I was going to ask about kind of that start of the season because you look into it and you see obviously the issues with COVID, the injuries they've had, Manchester City, and then Chelsea. Have you been? Look, there's always a lot of noise around Arsenal Football Club anyway because of the size of football club it is the expectation. But have you been a little bit surprised by kind of the response and, and and the media scrutiny that that the start of the season has has gotten, or is that kind of part and parcel of of Arsenal and and, and the way they operate?
1: No, it's absolutely part part and parcel. You can't you can't sit bottom of the table after three games without scoring a goal with your Arsenal and not get a huge amount of criticism. It's just going to happen. The expectation, the size of the club, the history of the club, it's just what it comes with the territory. And Arteta will know that. The players will know that. And I think what, you know, Arsenal going into this season on the back of two successive eight-play finishes in the Premier League, which just isn't good enough. They're out of Europe this season for the first time in 25 years. So, um, you know, there was... There was always going to be a lot of focus on the start of this season because there's an awful lot of fans who don't think Mikel Arteta is up for the job and that he's the right man. So he needed a, right, a good start to ease the pressure off him and he, he's had the complete opposite. And so that pressure is just huge now. And so, um, no, I'm not so, I'm not surprised at all. It was always as soon as that fixture list came out, you thought he's going to be under pressure at this point. And that's how it's worked out.
0: We'll come back to Mikel Arteta in just a moment, Sarah. Let's um, let's come to you as as a Norwich fan. How do you yeah. kind of view this? Because I feel like there's there's people maybe in two camps heading into this weekend. Is this the perfect time to play Arsenal, or, or actually is it in many ways perhaps the worst time to play Arsenal because <laughs> of everything that's happened and, and the need for a result and the pressure that's on Mikel Arteta? Which camp do you kind of fall into? Uh,
2: yeah, I, I'm quite excited about tomorrow. I have to say, I'm, I'm in the. This could really kickstart. Our season, you know, the team have been getting better with every game. You know, we've got the new faces coming in. We're over that pre-season COVID issue. Everyone's fit, nearly everyone's fit. I don't think it's a bad time to be playing them. Um, You know, as you said, Conor, it can go go either way tomorrow. It could be like this stunning day where we kickstart our season, or it, or it could be that, um, man, now this is really tough going. And I, I'm feeling pretty upbeat about it. I think it's uh, it's a good time to to play Arsenal. Sorry, Charles. Uh, I think it will be a cracking game. I mean, who'd have thought this would be a six-pointer at this you know time of the season, heading to the Emirates um, in September? And I think I think the the boys are going to really have a good day tomorrow. That's my instinct. I'm feeling positive and upbeat about it.
0: That's that's a brilliant. I, I mean, we've we've got um, this weekend's game probably uh, between the the team that was the most active in the window with Norwich. I think Watford might have signed eleven as well, but Norwich have signed eleven and and the biggest spenders in Arsenal, which is a really interesting dynamic. Does does that performance against Leicester, coupled with the fact obviously that Mateus Norman and, and Ozan Kabak mm-hmm. have been added to Norwich's squad, give you a little bit more confidence heading into this weekend, given kind of the the obvious deficiencies in Norwich City squad, but I guess notably probably midfield and centre-back. They were yeah, the two areas yeah. that fans wanted addressed.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, we all went into that Liverpool game thinking, oh, this is, you know, <laughs> let's see what happens. This could be a really good way to start the season. Um, having seen them at, at the previous game at, at Anfield when we, were, when we were promoted, I thought they played better. This, this time round, I thought we looked more cohesive. I was feeling really quite upbeat and thinking the season's going to be OK. Yeah, a bit worried about the shots on target, but I thought we were looking all right. The Man City game was a real sucker punch. I didn't think they played as they could. They didn't have the passion or the belief. It was just like, you know, we've turned up and, we, and we've given up. Um, I think the, the signings have been incredibly good. I mean, the amount of people we've brought in. You know, I was just sitting here this morning thinking about, Oh, which 11 would I put out? And actually when you've got so much strong competition for so many places around the pitch now, it's not like you can go, oh, that's the first 11. It really is going to be really interesting to see how that team now gel, who he puts out as that first 11. And that first 11 knowing there is someone equally as good as them on the bench ready to take their place if they're not playing as well as as Daniel Farker knows they can. Um so, yeah, I think we've seen slow, steady improvement. The Leicester game, they really had to turn it around after Man City. Obviously, they had the cup game, which was a, a stunner for them to get their confidence back up and those fringe players to say, hey, look at us, which obviously hopefully makes the first 11 think, oh, hang on a minute, we need to, you know, be upping our game here. So I, I think tomorrow is going to be fascinating to see who he puts out. Does he risk some of those new signings who have literally just trained yesterday, isn't it, for the first time with the with their teammates? Does he say, right, you know, you, you've been playing well for your, t- your international teams, you know, your countries, let's get you out of there and, and see what happens. And, and, you know, there's certain people I obviously wouldn't, wouldn't drop, but I think it's going to be interesting to see who he puts out as the first team tomorrow.
0: Agreed. Probably in a, a different situation than he was two years ago. Where he's got a lot more options this time around and uh, yeah. it's up to, to piece those together, isn't it? So. Yeah, you're not
2: fearful about someone getting injured. You know, two years ago, as soon as Hanley or someone got injured, w- we were fearful. You know, and, the, and the team they put out did their best, but most of them had never played at that level before. You know, they're, they're young players who've gone on to, to gain that experience, but you didn't have that kind of confidence that the person coming off the bench was could have been the person picked to start the game right. And I think this time around, they've really got that strength in depth. It's a, going to be a question of putting that team together and seeing how they perform as a unit. Absolutely.
0: Charles, Sarah's already described this as as a six-point. I think both of you already said a chance to kind of really kick-start both teams' seasons. So uh, I guess I'm going to ask you the the same question first and foremost. Is this a good time to play Arsenal at the moment? I've kind of described maybe Norwich fans being in two camps. Are Arsenal fans kind of sitting in two camps as well? Because at some point there's going to be a reaction, isn't there, you you would expect from this Arsenal side, given all of the the noise and, and, and criticism that they've received in the last two weeks?
1: Yeah, you would hope so. It's good. Certainly, well, there needs to be a reaction. I mean, I think it is a good time to play Arsenal. Um, it can't not be when you look at the position. But Arsenal are looking a lot stronger going into this game than they have done so far this season. They've got players back. Thomas Partey's back in midfield, which is you know just going to make a huge, huge difference. It looks like they're going to have their first choice centre-backs for the first time this season in Gabriel. And Ben White, Arteta's got a decision to make up right back Does he put Tommy Asu straight in. He obviously was signed on deadline day. He's only arrived back from Japan yesterday had his media photos and things like that. Do you throw him straight in at right back or do you play one more time with either Chambers or Cedric? So that's a big decision. Um, so they're looking stronger than they have done. There, there are still a few issues. Unfortunately, Emil Smith-Rowe looks like he's probably going to miss out because he picked up an illness while away with England under 21s. Sambi Lukonga looks like he's out and with Xhaka and Elneny out as well. There's a, the midfield, although Thomas Party's back. It's like, who's going to play with Thomas Party? So, There is, it's not as strong as it could be, but it's certainly, it's certainly better than it has been. And, um, you know, Arsenal know how big this game is. They've had two weeks on the training ground, those who haven't gone away and not too many have gone away, which says a lot about where Arsenal are right now. They don't actually have too many internationals in that team. And so there's been an awful lot of them back at Colney for two weeks working with Arteta solidly. And so you would hope you're going to see a reaction now again on Saturday. I think the first goal is going to be really important. If Norwich get themselves in front on Saturday, then the Emirates crowd is going to turn. and It's going to turn pretty quickly and it's going to become pretty brutal in there, I would imagine. So Arsenal need to score first just to get the confidence up, to give themselves, just to get the whole monkey off their back, not even have scored yet this season. If they do that, then you would hope that might settle them down, and they'll uh, and they'll go on and produce a decent performance. But if Norwich get themselves in front tomorrow, then it's going to be you know it's going to be tough for Arsenal because the the crowd could easily turn, and then suddenly you've got the pressure of all that on uh, on them as well. So it's definitely a good time to be playing Arsenal, no one hundred percent, but they are in a slightly stronger position than they have been in any other game yet this season.
0: How much pressure do you think there is on on Mikel Arteta going into this game? Are we sort of one game away from from him being on the brink? Where where do you think we we kind of are? I've seen um, people during the international break, I think Joe Cole has come out and and said, well, well, if Arsenal lose this one, he's got to go. I think Charlie Nicholas has said the same on his social media account. So where is Mikel Arteta in terms of his future and and perhaps how close he is to, to losing his job?
1: I mean, he's close. He has to. He'll have to be close. They don't want to get rid of Mikel Arteta. This is a big project that they've brought into, and they've spelt it out time and time again. Edu came out after the transfer window and and spoke about it. Arteta's spoken about it. Just look at the signings they've brought in. they all six of them this summer are between twenty one and twenty three. You know, they're not all guaranteed to go straight into starting eleven. This is a big project. This is a rebuild. You know, they've got rid of about twenty one players in the last two transfer windows. Arsenal. It's just, it's a huge rebuild based around potential. And they want Arteta to be the man to oversee that. But unfortunately, as much as you can talk about t- giving people time and planning for the future, if you're manager at Arsenal, you've got to get results because if you don't, you're going to get the sack. It's just ultimately what's going to happen. So he needs to get results quickly. I wouldn't say that he'll, he would be out if Arsenal don't beat Norwich tomorrow. But I think these four games as a whole now coming up in terms of Norwich, Burnley, Spurs and then Brighton, before the next international break, I think they're the ones that he's ultimately going to be judged on. And if they're going to make a decision, it'll probably be at that next international break. They'll give him these four games, see if there is a genuine sign of improvement. And if not, then they'll look to make a decision. They sacked Emory in December. If Arteta Arte doesn't pick up results quickly, I'm not sure he'll be given that long this mm-hmm. time. I think it could be the next international break before they're faced with certainly making a big decision on what happens next
0: Fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's it's really fascinating where these respective sides are. Obviously, both have, have had very difficult starts to to their Premier League season. Uh, obviously, the, the size of the club's drastically different, expectations drastically different, which kind of leads us on to where Norwich are at the moment, Sarah. I mean, it, everyone looked at the start of this season and couldn't really get much tougher for, from a Norwich perspective to, to come back into the Premier League and face Liverpool, Manchester City, Leicester and then Arsenal, even given the, the position that they're in at the moment. As a Norwich fan, how do you view it? Is it really a case of, and I know people, a lot of people don't like this kind of view of, well, the season starts after game four or after game three or whatever, but in terms of like Norwich's next five probably home games at Caro look a, a lot more um, winnable, I suppose, if you, if you want to use that term. It's very difficult to say that in the Premier League anyway, particularly given Norwich City's history. But do you now see this kind of international break uh, and, and the conclusion of it? Also, resulting in Norwich City start to life in the Premier League properly. Given the, the sort of first three games where there were lots of mitigation in terms of COVID and uh, tough fixtures, whatever. How, how do you kind of see it?
2: Yeah, I, I kind, I'm kind of glad those games are out of the way. Um, the the fixture list when it came out looked horrific, and you, and you looked at it and thought, will we be going into that break with a point or not? And I think if they'd have got a point, and they nearly did against Leicester, we'd have all been thinking, you know, that's not a bad return. <laughs> from those three games. Um so I, I'm pleased they're they're gone. We can we can start afresh. The issues of, of pre season are over. You know, they didn't have enough games as a team. They were decimated by COVID. Their their fitness probably wasn't there. They just weren't gelling. You know, they they obviously missed Buendia in terms of how he controlled the, the balls through to Pookie. So they've got to think about how they, you know, play without him in the team and, and I I just didn't think they it looked like they needed those games as their pre-season games, right? You could sort of see they were the way they were playing. It was kind of like we were still in pre-season whilst everyone else had started. So, so in, in a way for it to have been those three teams where we might have only expected to get a point, it's kind of okay if they were three games where we'd have looked at them and gone, you know what, that's, that's potentially two wins and a draw away from home or something, I think we would now be in a very different position. Um, so I'm I'm pleased they're gone. We start again, we go again, you know, we have belief in the in the team, the way they're playing, we know what they're capable of. I think the new signings look great, like really good signings to have been brought in, not only for morale, but I think the the um ability and the technical ability that they bring to the team and the positions that they play in. You know, it's the spots that we will all have said we needed strengthening. So I I think it's been an exceptional transfer window and it's gonna be super interesting to see how they they pull it t- together and how they make it operate. You know, a-, a running joke in in our house with the kids is always, you know, Pookie never scores when when Dia isn't on the pitch, um, and that's what we've said for like the last few seasons. Well, now he's not he's not there at all. So who's going to be stepping up and-, and making that work and making that gel? You know, Campwell I think has played particularly well and could really fill in that role going forward. And it'll be interesting to see how how the new signings come in and start to to connect. What could hopefully be a really solid back four now, with a with a, a midfield with more grit in it, <laughs> through to to Pukie up front, and you know see what happens.
0: Have you have you been encouraged by by the performances so far? I know we we kind of have to park the Manchester City one to an extent. The Liverpool there were there were periods I felt where Norwich were, were yeah out. Liverpool
2: um, was okay yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I was
0: they, they probably deserved a point right and, yeah. and, and and had it not have been for for the finest of margins in, in terms of that VAR decision they probably would have got mm-hmm. one so uh, have you been encouraged from from what you've seen performance-wise so far even, yeah even exactly. something in something term,
2: in yeah absolutely Connor in terms of how they've been uh you know addressing that sort of challenge head-on yeah ignoring Man City I don't think they they were in the right place psychologically when they came out onto the pitch that day you know went against them very early on they never sort of pulled themselves around from it but i think the other games they've not looked like they wanted to be beaten they looked like they were still trying to play the way that, that we know they can and you know you see torcantwell with the most tackles in the in the premier league so far this season that shows that they're not they're not sitting back and not trying right they're out there trying to you know show the rest of the premier league how we how we can play and what we can do and i thought arteta's uh, press conference and comments about us was really interesting this morning saying how um he, you know, likes the way we play. We're a joy to watch. Well, let's hope we are tomorrow. And, you know, we start to show everyone what we're, we're capable of doing. So, yeah, I, I'm encouraged.
0: Charles, if if obviously lots of Norwich fans will be watching this, they will have seen um, lots of criticism that has, uh, has come Arsenal's way. From a Norwich perspective, what do they need to do on Saturday to really get at Arsenal, to really hurt them, to frustrate? Arsenal, I suppose, in, in the way that you've spoken about, because it, it does feel like if they can hold that game at nil-nil for a significant portion, then, then the crowd inside the Emirates may begin to turn, and that may be may be something that could go in Norwich City's favour.
1: Yeah, absolutely is. If the longer Norwich can keep it can keep it level, then you know they've got every chance of getting something out of this game, I think, because the crowd will start to turn that. I think there will be initial support there at Arsenal, say first 20 25 minutes. But as we saw in the Chelsea game at the Emirates, that As soon as Chelsea got in front, it it began to turn pretty quickly. And if, you know, that's against Chelsea, this is no disrespect to Norwich. Arsenal fans will be going to the game on Saturday expecting them to beat Norwich. And if Norwich hold them off, which, I mean, Arsenal have only created one big chance in the first three games this season. You know, and that was a centre-back with a flick on from a corner creating that chance. And it created nothing from open play in the three games so they're not they're not difficult to defend against Arsenal they haven't been anywhere yet this season and they weren't at large chunks last season either so if Norwich keep things tight and don't do anything stupid and st- keep themselves in the game then they're gonna the nerves will grow the tension will grow and the Arsenal players will show that tension which it just, is just bound to happen so that's key that's going to be absolutely key to Norwich just avoid any doing anything stupid because if they do that Arsenal won't open them up at will, because they struggle with that. They've shown they struggle with that. So, it's all about keeping their heads for me in, in this one for Norwich. And that's what Daniel Farkas should be telling them as they head out there: is just stay in the game, play your football, don't do anything silly, and you will get opportunities against this Arsenal side. So, that will certainly be his pre-match team talk. I'm sure of it.
0: It's really interesting. I'm sure most football fans will have seen or seen chunks of or certainly read the the interview that that Edu gave over the uh, international break to to Sky Sports. Um, What have you kind of made of Arsenal's transfer policy? Because as you said earlier, biggest spend is in the transfer window, but maybe two or three signings for the here and now. So if you're an Mm. Arsenal fan and and you're maybe connecting the net spend to players that are actually going to be in the first team, is that disappointing? Are they kind of buying into the project? How do you kind of view their, their transfer strategy this summer?
1: I think it's a pretty even split. I mean, it's difficult to gauge opinion totally because social media opinion uh, differs drastically from actual <laughs> a lot of level-headed opinion of people who actually go to the games. So it's different. I mean, I, but I do think it's fairly even split. I think a lot of people like the policy and they understand what's going on because it's not just been a case of bringing getting players in. It's been having to get out huge amounts of players. Like it's so much deadwood that they've just been having to basically pay players to leave. Experienced players. They've got themselves into so much trouble in the transfer market recently not just since Wenger went since before Wenger went um and so they've been having a deal with that and Arteta's been having a deal with that by getting people out and then bringing people in but when you get people out in so in so many numbers then you have to bring people in not just for the first team but to improve the squad and that's what they've done so you know I, I thought Eddie's in, um, interview was some of it was interesting and I could clearly see what he was talking about um but when you've finished eighth twice in a row, you want to see an immediate improvement if you're an Arsenal fan, as much as you want to buy into the whole projects and, and plan for the future. But you do want to start seeing immediate um, immediate results on the pitch. And I think one of the main issues is everyone could see, well, most people can see that Arsenal, one of Arsenal's biggest problems in central midfield, and they had a real opportunity to get rid of Granit Xhaka this summer and bring in a, real long-term party shake up that midfield a long-term partner for party and really shake up that central midfield and make Arsenal stronger they didn't they've ended up keeping Xhaka giving him a new contract um and I think that's frustrating a lot of people and although everyone quite quite excited about the signing of Ben White and I think he's going to be a really good signing when you shut out 50 million pounds on on the centre-back when you could have invested that in the in central midfield I think a lot of people were a little bit and uh, when you add Aaron Ramsdale, that £75 million, basically, on your backup goalkeeper and a centre-back, which maybe you didn't necessarily need when you could have spent that money on really reinvigorating the midfield options at the club. I can see why there's a little bit of disappointment about that. So I think it, it's fairly split. A lot of people can understand why Arsenal have done it and quite like the direction they're heading. And I'm, that, like, I'm an Arsenal fan as well. I recover them, but I'm an Arsenal fan as well. And, and I do, I've, I'm fed up with, giving Willian three-year contracts and paying him a year later to leave the club and giving yeah. Mesut Ozil £350,000 a week and then having to pay him to leave a couple of years later. So I want to see more of a vision for the future. And I, I like bringing in 21 and 23-year-olds and mixing them in with Emil Smith-Rowe and Bakaya Saka. And I think it is exciting that, but, Having said that, I also want to see my team winning on the pitch and scoring a goal on the pitch. <laughs> so it's a it's a difficult one to sort of gauge exactly how we all feel about it at the moment. I think we just want to see tangible results. We want to see we wanna see things beginning to move forward. We want to see the team playing well. And that's it. I think we could have all we could have all accepted losing at Manchester City. But you wanted to see them going there and playing with a little bit, having a little bit about them to take the game, some of the games to Manchester City and be a little bit of a threat, but just to surrender like they did, that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. So you want to see, you know, Arteta's been there two years now and he won the FA Cup, which is great. But then since then, there's not really been any signs of what he's trying to do and the way he wants his team to play and, you know, where the identity is. So. It's not so much just about the transfer market. It's also about seeing the identity on the pitch beginning to come to the and we haven't really seen that yet.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think Gary Neville described their transfer approach as scattergun, didn't he? There's, there's been lots of other comments. Along was, those I can understand
1: that from Neville, to be honest, because I think there's plenty of things you can criticise Arsenal for this mm. summer, but in terms of what their strategy is in the transfer market, it's blatantly obvious. It's yep. really clear. They signed six players, all between 21 and 23, so the strategy is absolutely clear. So I wasn't quite sure on Neville's comments on that one they didn't really make too much sense you can have a go at Arsenal for an awful lot of things but a confusing transfer strategy isn't really that because it's pretty blatant very blatant what the transfer strategy is now
0: yeah, well, this is what I was going to say. You've had people who are kind of criticising it like that. You've got Eddie who's come out and explained it and, and kind of described what the project is. There are maybe people who, who feel that even though they've outlined what the project is, there's still maybe a little bit of, uh, still a little bit rudderless in terms of where they want to actually go with it and actually implementing that, I suppose. So, so it's more of a philosophical question in, in terms of where Arsenal are right now. Is the fan base willing to support? I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's all very well and good saying you've got a project, but can you do that without getting results at a club like Arsenal? Is is that an easy argument to win? I, I suppose it's quite difficult, isn't it?
1: It's very difficult, yeah. It's, it's when you're when you size a club like Arsenal, you've got to get results. It's plain and simple. The fans will the fans will buy into a project. They've done it before. Arsene Wenger had the whole project youth. I mean, this is the second time coming really for for Arsenal fans seeing this sort of project because it happened after the move to the Emirates when they had no money or they said they had no money and um, and uh, went with the whole Project Youth thing there. And the fans sort of bought into it. But at the same time, they were still seeing results. Arsenal were still finishing top four. They were still playing great football. They were scoring great goals. And that's the thing that they're not seeing now. They're, the whole project's there, but they're also they're seeing the team lose week in, week out and not score goals. So that's the thing. There's got to be a bit of both to get the fans on board because the fans won't... As much as you want to support the team... And they do want to support the team, and they want to support the project. If they're not having anything to cheer about week after week, it's very hard to maintain that support. So you've got there's got to be a balance there, and that's what Arteta and Arsenal have to find.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and 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 those things, Sarah, sound a lot well, very similar to Daniel Farker's yeah. first season in charge, don't they? When, when we talk about sort of transition and projects and uh, and stuff like that, Norwich obviously finished what mid-table championship below it, switched down, yeah. I think, in in that first season under Daniel Farker. So, uh, I think Norwich fans will certainly sort of chime with with what Charles is saying there. Looking ahead to to this weekend, and Sarah, obviously, Kabak and, and Norman are, are in the door. Two, inc- yeah. I think, incredibly exciting signings for Norwich City, really, given the the calibre of players that they've been able to bring in and and, and their respective CVs. So you're you're Daniel Farker. Do you throw them straight into the the starting 11? Do you ease them in? What sort of approach do you take? Because, as you said, the internationals have maybe thrown up a little bit of difficulty because they've just spent two weeks away from Norwich having signed, what, days um, before the window closed. So in terms of actually getting them in training and having a look at them, there hasn't been uh, too much opportunity to do that.
2: Yeah, I, I sort of did my... Starting eleven in my head this morning, and and my instinct was definitely to put Norman in. I would start with him, and I I was sort of fifty fifty on the, on the centre backs, thinking is he going to pay uh, go with a a back four? Is he going to pay three central defenders like Hanley's been excelling at for Scotland? So I would stick probably with a back four, and I would start with Kabak.
0: Who who are you dropping out? Are you dropping out Gibson or Hanley? I'm
2: dropping out Gibson. Yeah,
0: interesting. Interesting. I I would concur. I think actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the other area of the pitch I was going to ask you about really is is up front. That seems to be where there's yeah. um, quite a bit of debate about Timu He Obviously um, got off the mark in the Premier League, yeah. although it was a, a penalty against Leicester. Would you persist with him for this game? Obviously, it's, it matters. Probably made it a little bit tougher for for sort of Josh Sargent because yeah. he he only He's played in the, in the early way. hours of of Thursday morning for the for the US against Honduras. So. Probably yeah. not ideal preparation for a game on, on Saturday afternoon. Um, Ida put in a, a couple of decent performances for Ireland. Yeah. So does he come into the conversation? How are you kind of viewing the striker debate at the moment?
2: I, w- I was sticking with Pookie starting up front. I think, you know, he had a tough pre-season. He didn't look fit against Liverpool to me, um, but he's he's gained that fitness back. I think he had one reasonably solid game for Finland while he was away. You know, his confidence will be up. I know it was a penalty, but as soon as you start scoring as a, as a striker, you know, you, your confidence starts coming back. Uh, I think to switch him out would probably disrupt the team more than switching some of the others out. I would I would start with him, absolutely, but I would not be afraid to swap him in the second half earlier than perhaps Daniel Farker does normally. If it's looking like, you know, we're having a good game, but we need to score a goal, I would then switch him out. And I who would I go with? I might give Ida a go, actually. I think he's had some good games for Ireland. See how he gets on.
0: Lovely stuff. Charles, let's, uh, let's come to you then just to, to round this off. How, how do you see this game going on Saturday? And, and then, of course, I'll, I'll ask you for a score prediction as well, which um, <laughs> who knows? It could be anything, couldn't it?
1: Yeah. I, honestly, I just don't know how this one's going to play out. It's it's really difficult. Like I said earlier, I think the first goal is all really important. If Arsenal can score early, just get that whole monkey off the back, as I said, and and... You know, just show that they can score a goal, they can create a chance. If they can do that, they get the fans behind them, the sun shining, they could end up having an enjoyable day at the, at the Emirates. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward. They're going to, like I said, Thomas Party is going to be so influential. It's so important having him back. You're going to have Odegaard at number 10 for the first time back at the Emirates this season. Saka back in the team alongside him. Um, hopefully, a sharper Bamiang up front. If they can score one, then they could go on. You couldn't, they could end up sort of having a really good day. But if they don't score and Norwich stay in it, and uh, then I can exact, comp- I can really see what's going to happen at, at that point, and can the, the noise in the stadium, the tension in the stadium. So it's a really difficult one to call for me. Mm-hmm. I had to, you, you nail them down now and ask for a scoreline. I'm going to say Arsenal win. I think they, I, I, think they will edge it, but it's going to be a tense, tense afternoon. I, I can, I, I would love to say Arsenal going to go and win four nil, cruise through it and kickstart their season in style, but. I just can't see it. I think it's going to be a tense affair, and Arsenal might edge it two-one.
0: Interesting, Sarah. I'll throw that back over to you. How do you see this going from a, a Norwich perspective? You're usually very optimistic, so I'm hoping. Oh, for I, a am. I score am. I am.
2: here. <laughs> so I, I feel I can't. I can't break my optimism. I'm going to go um, for the for the same scoreline as Charles, but reversed. I I think um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we go behind. It seems to be our sort of mode of operating we sometimes just sort of lose concentration early on in games. And then that somehow kickstarts us into playing as we can and, and really getting back into matches. And I think, I think the strength we have on the bench with the striking options we have, especially if we, you know, brings all on towards the end, depending on who he starts with the pace that we could throw at Arsenal in the last 15 minutes, I, I think might, if you're not having a good afternoon and I think it's going to be a rainy day in London tomorrow, not a sunny one. Um, might not be what you want to see, so I, I think we could well be on for a cracking afternoon. Maybe a, a, a winner for Norwich in the sort of 85th minute. Let's let's uh, let's hope so, Sarah. Maybe yeah. just
1: hearing that <laughs> just, knowing, just, knowing, just knowing what the reaction is going to be if if it goes wrong tomorrow is uh, I can't I can't even I'm not going to turn my computer on for about a week. I don't think if Arsenal lose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine all that will that will be thrown in in Arsenal's direction if that is the case. Sarah, yeah. just finally, then talk to us a little bit about your work with with the Canaries Trust in sort of the last uh, what? Well, you tell me six months, year, year or yeah. so. It's, yeah, yeah. Time, time is time is difficult. Uh, it's a difficult concept at the moment because well, I'm, I'm still working from home, so it's it's still yeah. a, a little bit difficult. But but talk to us a little bit about what you've been doing in terms of female inclusion and, and obviously the her game two stuff as as well.
2: Yeah, so so we've been doing a lot directly with with the club, which has been great. Um, and I think people uh, will hopefully have seen when they're at Carrow Road now that there's uh, some messages coming up on the board, advertising um, helplines and numbers that the female fans at the ground can contact if they're experiencing any discrimination or just feeling threatened or un- unsure or unsafe at Carrow Road. The club uh, really wants to hear from fans and make sure that they feel Um, comfortable and happy at at grounds you know the the problems we see at Norwich aren't that great but everyone should feel welcome um, at the football whatever club you support Uh, and I think that's where the Her Game 2 movement has been great for clubs across the country Um, and you know we at the Canaries Trust work closely with them to make sure what we're trying working with um, Norwich on is aligned back with the Her Game 2 movement so I think if there's still people out there who, who aren't aware of those movements, look them up, see how you can support your fellow fans. It's up for female and male fans to support everyone at the ground if they notice things that shouldn't be happening, to, to flag them up and make sure that that football really is a home home for everyone. Um, and if you do experience anything yourself, please make sure you report it to the club. They, they're adamant they want to you know stamp all of this out at Carrow Road, whether it's racism, homophobia or sexism, and make sure that everyone is absolutely welcome at the football.
0: Yeah, the Canaries Trust and Sarah are doing some, some excellent work on that front. So um, uh, do go and, and, and check out what they're doing. They're doing some great stuff. And as Sarah said, um, all of that uh, advice and, and support is, is uh, freely available online if, should anyone need it. Sarah, Charles, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you all very much for watching. Let's know your score prediction in the comments down below. It's going to be a fascinating afternoon of football at the Emirates um, in whichever direction it heads. And um, let's hope it's a positive one for Norwich City. Thank you very much for watching. See you soon.